Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Private education. How much does it cost? Can you really afford it? And how far will you go to save on school fees? Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's weekly podcast on personal finance and investing. I'm Lucy Warwick-Ching, FT Money's digital editor, and I'm bringing you a special podcast dedicated to the ins and outs of paying for education. With the help of experts Barnaby Lennon of the Independent Schools Council, Darius McDermott of Chelsea Financial Services, and Susan Hamlin of the Good Schools Guide. The saying goes that if your children have already been born, you've left it too late to save for school fees, and it certainly seems that way. The average cost of educating a child privately is over £200,000, and that's before you've factored in a further 10% each year for school trips, uniforms and music lessons. Barnaby Lennon, Chairman at the Independent Schools Council, is here to talk us through the figures. Barnaby, welcome to The Money Show. So have fees really gone up by more than a fifth in the past five years? And if so, why? Yeah, over the last five years, they've gone up by an average of 4% a year, 3.5% last year. So that's more than average wages, let's say, but less than house price inflation. And most of these schools are charities, so there's no profit motive. They basically aim to break even. So the increase in costs has been driven by pay mainly and pensions and national insurance, small class sizes, and to some extent energy food costs. And so how much is the average cost per year for educating a child at a private school? It's about 14,000 in a day school and 32,000 in a boarding school. And does this vary across the country? It varies quite a lot about across the country, actually. I mean, it's much higher in the London area where the average for a day school would be 16,000. But in the northeast, that would be 11,000. But also, I think it's important to say that it's normally much lower for younger pupils and more expensive for sixth formers. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of variation. And so finally, what happens if one or both parents suffer a life-changing event? So, for example, if someone's made redundant or they get ill, are there charities that will cover the, the school fees? Well, there are charities, but the best thing to do is to speak directly to the school because... All schools now offer means-tested bursaries. You know, virtually all will uh, find money if a parent suffers a life-changing event and they should be able to help. Thanks very much there to Barnaby Lennon. You can read more about school fees in the FT Money cover feature later this week at ft.com forward slash money. Next, we move on to how to pay those fees. Parents have always been willing to make a few sacrifices to keep their children in private education. It's not unheard of for mothers and fathers to swap the Côte d'Azur for Cornwall. 
during summer holidays or keep a tired old car on the road for another 12 months to save money. Darius McDermott, Managing Director of Chelsea Financial Services, has some good news for listeners out there who might be wondering whether they can afford those fees. Darius, thanks for joining us. Can you start by telling us when you think parents need to start saving for school fees? Well, the one thing that we know about saving generally is the longer you do it for, the more you can acquire because you do get compounding. So saving for 18 years, now I know that's probably by the time your child has finished, but just to give a a small example... You know, if you save £100 a month for 18 years, you'll save £21,000. That's at a 5% after fees, whereas if you save for five years, it's only £4,000. So you can't start soon enough is the the simple message, potentially before you have children. And are there any kind of specific vehicles that you should be saving into? I would favour the flexibility of your ISA. The ISA allowance is now £20,000 a year, which is £1,600 a month. It's a lot to save, but if you were able to save that, Every month for 18 years, you'd actually build up a savings pot of just under 600,000, which I think would more than cover, um, well, two or three children based on your figures uh, through private education. And again, that's an assuming a 5% return and after charges. And what about if you've got more time and perhaps able to take more risk? Where should you put your money? Yeah, I mean, there are other vehicles. There are things like venture capital trusts, which might be more attractive to higher earners because they actually come with tax relief. Um, These are vehicles that you do need to hold for a minimum of five years. But if you were to start putting in £100,000 a year, you could quite easily build up a pot of 500000 And the other thing about venture capital trusts is actually the dividends that they pay are normally A, quite handsome, but B, tax-free. So clearly that, as I say, is is a a higher risk option for higher earners because they do enjoy the uh, early tax benefits of 30% back. Well, thanks very much. That was Darius McDermott, Managing Director of Chelsea Financial Services. And you could read more on the specifics of investing for school fees on ft.com forward slash money or in the FT weekend newspaper this Saturday. And finally, the bit you've all been waiting for, how to minimise the amount you actually pay. From paying up front to negotiating a discount or choosing a cheaper school, there are many ways to cut costs. Susan Hamlin, Director of the Good Schools Guide Education Consultants, joins us down the line to help you make the most of what's on offer. Susan, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure. So what financial help is out there for pupils? Well, there's quite a lot if you know where to look for it. But I would like to say, just as a matter of caution and common sense before we start, that the majority of parents whose children go to independent schools do pay full fees. But... A third have some sort of fee assistance. So although it is a minority, it's a pretty substantial minority. Yeah. And what they, what they can access, if they know how to do it, is the two most important things, scholarships and bursaries. And we can talk as much as you like about those. And can you tell me the difference between these? Well, scholarships are the traditional ways of schools attracting bright or talented young people Scholarships traditionally were given to people, you know, either for academic prowess or for prowess in things like arts or sports or, or that kind of thing. And traditionally, they are worth an awful lot of glory and not a huge amount of money. And that remains the case. Bursaries are relative newcomers and they really arose when schemes, government schemes like the direct grant and the assisted places went, those having enabled the bright children of less well-off families to attend such schools, and schools decided they still needed to attract the able and the talented, and they themselves would have to raise the funds. So 
schools have diverted as much money as they can into bursary funds and they've had appeals and so on. And the big difference is that bursaries are means tested. So you can apply in exactly the same way you would, would apply to, to any school for a school place. Um, but you have to tell the school at the outset that you could only accept a place if the school can find bursarial money to help you. Mm. And you have to make a full disclosure, not only of your income. I think this is the important point. People think, well, sometimes if I've got a pretty big income, I'd never get any help. But you see, if you have essential outgoings, for example, you have several children or your business and financial affairs are all tied up with your income or you maintain elderly parents or something, all these things are taken into account. It's not just your income, but it can also be your outgoings. If parents want help in finding what might be available to them in terms of scholarships and or bursaries, we are always delighted at the Good Schools Guide to hear from parents. And we do have a unique scholarships and bursary service, which has information from more than 700 independent schools all over the country. And we do, you know, we, we love to share that with parents. So we'd be delighted to hear from anyone. And are there any other ways to reduce fees? Well, I would say that those are the the absolutely main ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people who, who get any kind of reduction from uh, on their school fees, it will be via a bursary or possibly a scholarship or maybe both. But of course, yes, I mean, there are other things. There are, for example, sibling discounts that are offered by quite a few schools so that if you have more than one or possibly two or three children at the school at the same time, and most schools do stipulate at the same time, very often you can get maybe 10% off or maybe even 20% off if there are more than two children. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be the other main source of, of help that parents can access in some cases. I think it ought to be borne in mind that although some schools, particularly the older, very well-established schools, have got lots of money to attract the less well-off parents and, and families, a lot of schools, particularly the smaller proprietor-owned prep schools and so on, don't. And I think this is a mistake that some parents often make. They assume that all schools have got money to sort of throw at them to attract them. And of course, an awful lot of schools have very little or none. Mm. And, and what's about paying up front? Um, I've heard that you can get some money off if you pay a whole mm. terms fees or even actually five years in advance or something. Well, I mean, different schools have different schemes and different groups of schools because, of course, increasingly schools are in groups now, particularly groups like the Girls' Day School Trust and so on. They have different schemes. And I would say if fee-paying is in any way a concern for you, and it is obviously for, for, for most people, not everybody's got that sort of amount of money at their disposal, I would just go at the earliest possible stage to chat to the bursar and, and be completely upfront about your circumstances and ask, you know, do they have schemes? If you pay a lump sum up front, which might then reduce the overall outlay, you know, do they offer that sort of help? Some some schools will put you in touch with companies that specialise in planning for school fees, and the earlier you do that, the better as well. I think the most important piece of advice I would give is simply to go and talk early to schools that you are considering and see, you know, what schemes they, they may have. I mean, some Rather than paying lump sums up front, some schools have ways of allowing you to spread the cost. So if your child's going to be in a school for, say, five years, they may allow you to um, spread the fees for, say, seven years or something like that, which might just help some people. Mm-hmm. And, and what about limiting the time that, that children go to private schools? So say if you can't afford the full fees for the full education, 
just can you talk us through what some parents are doing? Well, you get it both ways. You see, some people think that if they pay for a prep school, you know, where the children are in small classes and get more individual attention, that may enable them then to get into a state grammar school for which they don't have to pay or another very good state school. Some some state schools do, of course, have academic selection, even if only on a relatively small scale. Other people, you know, try to get into a really good state primary, supplement that with tuition, particularly in the last year, so that the children are really not at a disadvantage against children coming from the sort of prep schools that drill them madly in the last year so that, that, you know, they're absolutely as prepared as they can possibly be for the entrance exams in the hope that then they, they will get into these academically selective schools you know, just for the senior school. So an awful lot of it depends on the, the provision of where you are. You know, if you're in London, for example, you, you know, and if you're, if you're in the catchment area of a good state primary and you can supplement that in the last year or two with tuition, you know, the chances are your child will get into an academically selective senior school. But if you're elsewhere, you know, if you're out of London or if provision is a bit more variable, it may make sense to do it the other way around. I think, you know, those sorts of judgments have to be made by individual families depending on what is available to them locally or of course if they are at any stage considering boarding in which case you go into a completely different realm. Some very good advice there from Susan Hamlin whose tips you can read online at ft.com forward slash money or in the weekend FT this Saturday. Have you got a story you would like the FT money team to follow up or a question to pose to our team of financial experts? We'd love to hear from you. You can email us money at ft.com Tweet us at FT Money or comment on our articles online at ft.com forward slash money. The Money Show will be back next Thursday at the usual time. Goodbye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.